0: Welcome to the Kesset Church podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and hope you enjoyed today's sermon. If you'd like to find out more about Kesset, you can head to kessetchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Good morning and welcome to Kesset Church. My name is Danny. I am one of the pastors here. I'm going to be sharing with you uh, whether you're watching us at kessetonline.com or Facebook Live or through the website. We are so so excited. That you're here. We're in a series right now called We the church and we are talking about each individual fruit of the spirit and how the Holy Spirit outworks those in our lives, especially during uh, such a such an odd and unforeseen time such as this. The, the verse that we're using is Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 and 23. this is what it says but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. We've uh, taught uh, each of these up through today's, which is faithfulness. Uh, My good friend Charles Spurgeon has a quote about faithfulness that I like a lot. And uh, this is what he says. He says, it is better to be faithful in the infant school than to be unfaithful in a noble class of young men. Better to be faithful in a hamlet over two or three score of people than to be unfaithful in a great city parish, with thousands perishing in consequence. Better to be faithful in a cottage meeting, speaking of Christ crucified to half a hundred villagers, than to be unfaithful in a great building where thousands congregate. Uh, faithfulness is an important part of Christianity, and I think during this time, uh, it's appropriate where it lands around, uh, you know, this uh, moment in our world where so many without faith are struggling to find meaning behind uh, behind where do they hope? Where do they look? How do they trust again? How do they, how do they move forward? But we as Christians know that, that we serve a God who uh, calls us to be faithful, and he himself, of course, is faithful to us. I like this really easy, simple definition of faithfulness. It's having or showing true and constant support or loyalty, deserving trust, keeping your promises, or doing what you are supposed to do. Faithfulness is basically doing what you say you're going to do. Showing up when you say you're going to show up. Uh, help when you say you're going to help. Stay away if you say, you know, say you're going to avoid something. This is the idea behind faithfulness. Uh, Proverbs 16.6 says, Says by steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord one turns away from evil. Steadfast love is the is the word we use for chesed. It's this word chesed. And it's cool that it's it's tied to faithfulness because of course when you are faithful, you are loving someone. When you are turning away from evil, you are you are loving someone. When you are trusting God and his faithfulness for us, he is therefore loving us. Proverbs 3, 3 and 4 also says it differently. Let not steadfast love, there it is again, and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. So let me just say to those of you out there that are, that are struggling with doubt, that are struggling with, with kind of seeing God in the midst of all this, may I just charge you to maintain your faithfulness. Faithfulness often is believing in something unseen and oftentimes our faithfulness can develop and grow beyond our wildest dreams when we trust in the darkness. For some reason, that struggle. For some reason, that difficulty. I just met with a friend this week, and he was struggling with some stuff in his world. And I was encouraging him that this is the time to develop the person God has called you to be beyond even what you thought you could be. This difficult time. And he chose faithfulness. He, he chose to follow God and to believe in God, not to turn away. And I believe his heart and his life and his story will be forever different. And I know he's watching, and I just want him to know how proud I am of him. Uh, He's just a really special friend to me, and I'm so excited that, that he chose faithfulness. As a community of faith, we wholeheartedly embrace this idea. This is a common thing that we talk about. We say things to each other like, whatever God is calling you to do, do it with all your heart. Be faithful. Be faithful to God, and your life will be blessed. So with all of this language, with all of this preaching, with all of this kind of common Christian knowledge, my question is, why is it then that we are all too often unfaithful? Why is it then that we struggle with with these things in our life that continue to come back that we we don't trust God to help us overcome? Why is it that we doubt so easily? And I'm talking about myself as well. Why is it that I can preach on faithfulness from a stage such as this, but uh, I know a circumstance or a situation could happen where I begin to question what I think I know, what I think I'm preaching, why does this happen? And that's today what we're going to talk about. I want to give you a parable that Jesus uh, shared regarding faithfulness, and I think how it works, but you got to read it real carefully, and you got to really let it soak in. If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to start in verse 14. It's called the parable of the talents. Jesus is speaking, and this is what he says. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Remember that line, to each according to his ability. That's what he gave these talents, okay? These, these things, these financial uh, uh, pieces. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered for me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. "'His master said to him, "'Well done, good and faithful servant. "'You have been faithful over a little. "'I will set you over much. "'Enter into the joy of your master.'" Verse 22, "'And also he who had the two talents came forward, "'saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. "'Here I have made two talents more. "'His master said to him, "'Well done, good and faithful servant. "'You have been faithful over a little. "'I will set you over much.'" and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. At my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This uh, this passage is a commonly taught passage, this idea that... that that Jesus is telling people he wants them to invest the the talents. Okay, the word uh, is obviously uh, a financial, has a financial meaning in the story, but it translates quite well, doesn't it? The talents, the gifts, the way God has built us, he wants us to invest those in the kingdom to move his kingdom forward and not bury him. But a specific part of the story has really bothered me, and the specific part is the idea that the man with the least to risk risks the least. That he had the the, the 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 least to lose within the whole situation, and yet he had the most fear. It said earlier in the story that the master gave each according to his ability. I wonder if this was part of what the master saw. That the man operated out of fear, that he didn't have faith in his abilities. He didn't have faith in the world that, that he was living in, that he could move through it. And so the master saw his abilities and gifted to each one according to that ability. But that person, Jesus says, the master said, should have at least invested locally in the bank to gain interest. They should have at least done something in spite of their fear, in spite of maybe we could say their faithlessness. We are called as Christians to move in our world and to move forward the kingdom of God. And we are called to invest our talents and we are called to use the things God has given us. But I think I know why this guy did this. I think I know, I think I know why he, he wrestled with investing something at all. First, the obvious. The story, I don't think, is about the obvious. It's not about how God sees his children and commands them to develop and build upon what he gives them. This is obvious. This is throughout the Bible. God wants you to live your life well. And that doesn't perhaps mean living your life selfishly. It doesn't perhaps mean living your life searching after everything that makes you feel good. It's about investing your life in other people and investing your life for the kingdom of God. I think this is the obvious. But, what I do think is this, that the story is also about what's not so obvious. It's also about how we as humans consistently compare what we have given by God or not to what others have. How we constantly look around the room and see where we line up. How we constantly gauge our success or our, our uh, influence based on what other people have and then so determine our value. Now, this is where I get it from. My guess is that these talents were handed out at the same time in front of one another. It says he called the servants and gave them these talents. Here, take this, take this, take this, I'm going away. It doesn't say he, that one servant left and another servant came and then that servant left. And uh, I think they handed out these talents to each individual person right in front of them. And I think this because it's been clear to me for a very, very long time that God doesn't equip everybody equally. Now he, he loves everybody equally, he cherishes everybody equally, he gave up his life for everybody equally, but this idea that, that God has built every single person in the same way, I, I just, I haven't found it to be true. That although this doesn't change their value of him in any way, he still equips people vastly different, and I got biblical backing for those of you who are squirming in your seats right now, because I'm not going to bring it unless I have a verse to back it, okay, that's a slogan. We should we should turn that into a slogan. Don't bring it, unless you got a verse to back it. Okay, uh, let's look at this verse. It's in 1 Corinthians 12. Okay, this is what it says. Now, there are a variety of gifts. You can swap out that word gifts for talents, okay, if you want. But if you don't like that, then just keep it gifts. There are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. So, a variety of Abilities to do things and a variety of callings of ways to serve and do things all for the kingdom and there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good for to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these gifts are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually, ready? As he wills. God gifts people differently. He gifts people within our lives differently. He gifts some people to, to do some things that other people just cannot do. Now, I, I mean this gently, but this idea that you can do anything you put your mind to, I think you could probably do it to a, to a level. But the idea that if you're not gifted, if you're not built, if you're not, if you're not uh, invested by the God in a certain area that you can accomplish the same thing somebody else who's invested by God in that area can accomplish, I don't, I don't think that's true. I think part of following God, part of listening to the Holy Spirit, part of having many wise counselors, I tell this a lot to our young people. If you don't have wise counsel, if you don't have people in your life that are investing in you and talking to you and helping to decipher some of the things God has built in your world, you're missing out. Because you can go do anything you want, but you should be doing the things God has built you to do, the activities God has called you to do. You've gotta be faithful in that way. Because God is faithful in how he builds his people and how he moves forward his kingdom. So, as I said, because of verses like that, it seems to me like in real life, the master would gift publicly the same way God does now. He would line all those things out. Now, this is what I think happened. Now, this single talent person receives the least from the master, at least in that room. And he thinks to himself, this is what he thinks. No matter what I do with this single talent, I'll never develop it enough to have the same impact as talents three or five. There's nothing I can do to compete with them. His eyes are on them. His eyes are on other people. His eyes are not on the master who assessed his abilities and still gave him, still blessed him with responsibility. His eyes are based on other people and what's happening. He's, he's lost his ability to do the thing he's been charged to do, to be faithful. Remember, showing up and doing the thing you've been charged to do. And so he decides, and I'll put it on the screen, I guess I'll do nothing. This is where a lot of Christians find themselves. This is where a lot of Christians, uh, frankly, go to spiritually die. They evaluate the situation. They see people doing things they feel like they would like to do. And they say, well, I can't do that, and I can't do that, and I definitely can't do that. So you know what? I guess I'll do nothing. And they go bury their talents, they bury their person, they bury the the gifts God has given them because they've not taken time to to really self-evaluate, to ask the Holy Spirit to dig into them. They haven't taken time to, to sit with counsel to understand the incredible importance of what they've been called to do. They only see other people in the room and so they miss out and they bury their talents and they die living a life that is valuable but in so many ways fruitless. They weren't there to help people how they were built to help. They were instead just watching, shriveled on the inside, buried in the dirt. This is not what God has called us to do. Now, I gave a definition of faithfulness earlier. If faithfulness is having or showing true and constant support and loyalty, okay, if that's what it's about, if it's deserving trust, If it's keeping your promises or doing what you're supposed to do, then it obviously makes sense that faithlessness, not having or showing true and constant support or loyalty, not deserving trust, not keeping your promises or doing what you are supposed to do. So I want to be as clear as I can, doing nothing with the talents God has bestowed upon you is faithlessness just just sitting is faithlessness. I think sometimes we think being faithful is doing and sitting's okay as long as I'm not doing the wrong thing. But the Bible's very clear that you don't get to just be. That you have to go and do. You have to go and serve. You have to you have to even if some of the work is the 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 inside work, the emotional health work, you're not just allowed to just to just develop as a person depending on how what life throws at you. You're supposed to be constantly working toward the person God has built you to be. And here's the beautiful thing about the way our God is faithful. The person you are built to be is the person you are right now. God is faithful to that person. He is moving in that person. It's only your awareness of his faithfulness that should call you to awaken. And so, in return, faithfulness Go and serve and be and, and, and live. Don't bury the things in your world. Transform, the Bible says. That's what it's about. It's about transforming from doing nothing, from, from believing nothing to someone who is, is, is responding to the working faithfulness of God in their own life and in that response, serving those around them. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. This place that God has us is is often missed because like this guy, we're all caught up and too focused on what other people have. We're too busy looking around. It's not even that we don't see God moving stuff in our lives, we we don't see God moving in our lives the same way he's moving in everybody else's lives. We look around and see what God is doing and decide whether we uh, want more or less of it comparingly. We may want more. We see what people have and we want more gifts, talent, leadership, influence. We want more. Give me more of that. I'm not going to do anything because I don't have enough. I want more. And sometimes we want less. We, we look around and we see that some people have less responsibility. They have to do less of the same kind of work. They have to be less disciplined. They have to be less accountable. I want way less of that. And so I'm not going to do anything. The Bible backs this up clearly, this idea that this single talent person was looking around at talents two and five and saying, ah, I'm, just, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to bury it. This is a common human issue when people are faithless. It's often not because their eyes are on God. It's because their eyes are on other people and so off of God. The Bible, as I said, talks about it. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says, when people, when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. I, I don't I don't know how more clear I, I can get. If you are living a life and all your value is based on how many followers you have and how many people like your post and 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 many other things that that are constantly changing, by the way, then then you are, respectfully, without understanding. You're missing it. You are buried, in a sense. Matthew 7, 3-5 says, this is a really common verse, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Look to yourself. Look to what God has called you to do. Look to all the faithfulness God has poured into your life, and so be faithful. Don't look at other people. Don't watch what's happening. In a sense, these two verses are both proclaiming that just as looking at someone else's big sin causes me to fail to see the enormity of my own sin. Just at looking at someone else's failure often causes me to see the enormity of my own failure. I like this quote, when I'm looking at someone else's bright calling, at least what I perceive to be bright, I will fail to see the grandeur of my own. When I'm looking at what other people are doing for God, then I fail to see the importance of the things God has called me to do and the people God has called me to serve. What a sad thing to to want to be of great influence. And so be someone who influences many people when God has called you to influence four or five and you're like, nah, not for me. And so therefore they have no influence. They don't see the faithfulness of Jesus because you wanted some sort of feedback. You wanted some sort of following other than the faithfulness of God to be your reason. This is a difficult place. This is why we need to keep our eyes off other people's callings. We need to rest in knowing that God has equipped us to do the things he's equipped us to do. We need to take heed and run with perseverance the race marked out for us, not the race marked out for someone else. For our God is faithful to build us in the direction with and how he sees fit to reach people that we are built to reach and to bring glory to him and to find immense satisfaction in his faithfulness, and so being faithful in return. We need to instead focus on hearing the words of the master when he says to the other two, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Church family, I want you to know that our joyful master is the living embodiment of faithfulness. That in spite of all the decisions you've made, all the mistakes you've made, all the failures I've had, all the stuff in my story that when I think about my soul cringes, my God has been faithful the entire time. This is what drives me to be faithful still. Because I turn around and he's always right there. He's always close no matter my speed, no matter my darkness no matter my my ignorance god is always there as a matter of fact second 2 timothy two thirteen. this verse is for you i hope it pours over you all week long it's super simple if we are faithless he remains faithful look at this for he cannot deny himself it's just who he is he's a faithful god he's a loving god And he wants to pour that faithfulness over you. And it's time, I hope, during this season when there's so much quiet time available that you can go and pour forth your God to your God, all the things that are keeping you from faithfulness. He will listen, He will hear you, and He will receive your words. He is faithful and He is loving. His faithfulness to us is both now and everlasting. Whether we are on the mountain, as that song says, or the mountain is in our way, our God is faithful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this, uh, this time to, to just reflect on your faithfulness. Thank you for all the times that, that you have been there we haven't seen you. Thank you for the times that you are uh, still working right now in spite of maybe not being able to feel you. I pray that in every home right now and in every place uh, wherever people are watching from that they would experience just a quiet and deep moment of faithfulness that god you would meet them that you would show them how you love them that you would you would just fill them with your presence and your peace god we just lift our worship up to you we just spend this time reflecting on it now in jesus name amen